Is everybody doing all right? Yeah. I guess I got to talk into this. This is my first time doing this. Yeah. So he didn't quite tell you all the story of his call to me, but that's okay. That, that's all right. He did call and say, uh, you know, my dad is sick, and what he didn't tell you is the other 27 people that we reached out to were either sick or unavailable. So, Bill, you're in. And don't blow it. No, he didn't say that. You guys know nothing but encouragement comes out of Andrew's mouth. So, anyway, I am excited to get to share about the Word of God. Um, those of you that know me might know that I came to Christ between my sophomore and junior years of college at Purdue. That was before most of you were born, uh, probably. Um, but it's interesting, when I was born again and the Spirit of God came to live in me, I began to have a thirst for the Word. And I wasn't a reader. I liked playing sports and so on. But what was interesting is as I started to get into the Word and started reading it, you know how it is when you're reading the Word and like a verse kind of pops off the page and you go, whoa, I don't want to forget that? Well, every time that would happen, this like voice, and at that time, I guess I didn't know what that voice was, but this voice would say, if you don't want to forget it, write it down and memorize it and keep reviewing it. So I started, uh, when I would study the word, I would, you know, and one of those verses would pop off, I would write it down on a three by five card, and um, I started getting more and more of those cards, and I would, they were tattered, I'd uh, carry them around in my pocket, and then I had a number of those packs, and then 15 or 20 years ago, I divided those cards into like, 30 packs, one for each day of the month. And so each morning, the Lord wakes me up early, and I know what I'm going to do, at least for part of my quiet time. I'm going to go through, if it's the 24th of the month, I'm going to start through those verses. And not to make sure that I have them all memorized, because some of them I still don't have fully memorized, but the point is that they are going to bring me into the presence of, of the Lord. So we're going to talk about uh, the Word of God. And the nice thing about the Word of God is it will speak for itself. It's very, God's Word is very good at doing that. So like Andrew said, I'm just going to start going through some verses. It's actually part of the verses in one of the packs that are on God's Word. Um, I encourage you, you know, whenever someone gets up to speak, they say, you know, we're a note-taking church and so on. And we are because what you hear up here uh, every week is frankly worth writing down. We have an amazing uh, uh, group that preaches and teaches. But I would encourage you to write these verses down. Not only write them down, but I challenge you to write them down like on a little three by five card and memorize them and go back and chew on these verses. So we'll just get started. Um, Psalm 43, three, and maybe I should say before we start, 
you're going to see a pattern in these verses that are about God's word. And here's the pattern. God gave us his word. We are to study his word for the purpose of taking us into his presence so that he can fill us and make us whole. I'll say that again. In fact, I think we might even have a slide on that. Anyway, this is a first-class deal here. You know, uh, the purpose of the Word of God is to bring us into the presence of God so that as that branch reaches up to that vine and that sap starts to flow in God's presence, we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we become whole. So that's the purpose of God. And I think you're going to see God speak that through verses that are all about his word. So now we'll get started. Psalm 43.3 says, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them what? In fact, we're going to practice. Is it up on the thing? Yeah. We're going to, I want you to practice. Don't, don't just casually read the word of God. It's the word of God. Chew on it. Look at it. What does it say? Oh, send out your light and your truth. That's this. Let them lead me. Let them do what? What does it say? Let them bring me to your dwelling places, to your holy hill, and to your dwelling places. Where do you think that is? That's his presence. There's that thing we're supposed to be looking for. We get into the word. It takes us into the presence of God so that we can be filled with God and we can be whole and fruitful. Okay? That's the first verse. So now we skip over to the New Testament. There's a bunch of verses where... Um, not going to cover, but Andrew only gave me an hour and a half. So, uh, yeah, no, not really. Anyway, so John chapter five, verses 39 and 40. You guys, I know are familiar with these verses, but I encourage you to memorize them. John 5, 39 and 40, you search the scriptures, Jesus was saying this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, which in essence is his life in us, okay? But it is these that testify of me and you're unwilling to do what? Come to me. There's that pattern. You are searching the scriptures, you want knowledge, you, you, you want to, but these scriptures were made for you to come to me so that you could have what? There's that pattern. Come to me, have life, be whole. Okay? Couple chapters, John chapter 8. 
John chapter 8, verse 31, starting in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, that's this, if you continue in it, if you abide in it, if you live in it, if you carry tattered note cards around in your pocket and you chew on them while you have five minutes between things, then you are what? You are truly disciples or followers of mine. That's interesting. A true follower or disciple of Jesus is one who stays in his word. And what will happen? You will know the truth. Now that word know there is the same. It's the gnosko word, if you will. It's the intimate word. It's the John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they may know thee. That's an intimate word. It means the two becoming one. The one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's when that sap begins to flow. So you will know the truth. So who's that? That's Jesus. And what's going to happen? You're going to be free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's, that's right. And if you question whether he's talking about Jesus being the truth, just go to verse 36, a few verses later. And what does it say? And when the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The word of God takes us into the presence of God to fill us with God the Holy Spirit and make us whole and fruitful. <clears throat> Acts, just keep going right. Acts 20.32 Acts 20.32. Paul's getting ready to leave Ephesus. He says, you're not going to see my face again. That's pretty heavy. You can imagine, you're going to leave some people that you absolutely love. So what's he tell them? Verse 32. I leave you to God. I commend you to God. And to what? This. To the logos of his grace, which is able to what? To build you up. There's that filling. And to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So what's that inheritance? You ever read the book Ezekiel? 
In Ezekiel 44, he tells the priests, what? You don't get an inheritance. You don't get any possessions. I am your inheritance. Me. I am your possession. That's us. We're a kingdom. We're kings and priests. Our place is to be worshiping all the time like those priests. What do we get? What is our inheritance? The whoosh. (laughs) That's the inheritance. The word of God takes us into the presence of God to fill us with the spirit of God and make us whole and fruitful. Just keep going right. Second Timothy. You guys, I know, know these verses, but I would commit them to memory and chew on them. God's word was meant to be meditated on and chewed on. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is actually one of the first verses I memorized back in whenever it was, aught six or something, anyway. All scripture is inspired by God. That literally means, as you know, God breathed. That in and of itself (laughs) makes it worthy to study and memorize. Let let me just say this. When you read the New Testament and Jesus or Paul or Peter quotes the word of God, you know, sometimes in your Bible, you'll see these verses that are in all caps, meaning it's quoted from Isaiah or from wherever, Joel or... I can guarantee you they did not pull out the Joel scroll or the Isaiah scroll. They knew it. They had it memorized. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed and it's profitable, good for teaching, Reproof, that means what not to do. Correction, that means what to do. And for training in righteousness. Now, when you see that word righteousness, and it has to do with us, what does that tell you? That means it's God in us. Because that's the only righteousness that there is. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, But by his doing, you are what? You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, what? Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He's all that stuff. So he in us is our Righteousness. 
So when it says for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that means to get me filled so that I'll learn to live in the river. Why? Verse 17, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate. Now there's a word, adequate. Think about Jesus's opinion of what it takes for you and I to be adequate. He raises from the dead. He says, just sit here and do nothing and pray until you do what? Receive the whoosh. Power from on high. The only thing that makes you and I adequate is the filling of the Holy Spirit. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every what? Good work. So what is a good work? Most of the time, In the New Testament, when you see the word good, like good work, you can exchange in its place God. The the Greek word, and my Greek is pretty much limited to blueletterbible.org, but the Greek word there is agathos, It's the same, whatever it is, Strong's G19 or whatever, that's in Luke 18, 18, where the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And what did Jesus tell him? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. That tells you a little bit about that, what that word means. It's also this, of the same family of words from Galatians 5, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now that one's more obvious. If it's a fruit of the Spirit, there's only one that can do it. The Spirit. I just want you to know that when it says so that you can be equipped for every good work, he's not saying, Bill, I'm going to equip you so you can help old people across the street or you can be a nice guy. That is not a good work. A good work is a God work. It's something only God can do through you so you have a job. To be filled, just to sunbathe, but with an S-O-N. You you just have to receive of that love and of that power so that you can do God works. And part of the way that you'll be able to do it is through being in the word of God so you can be adequate and equipped for every God work. 
All right, let's move on. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, 12. You guys know these verses. For the word of God is what? It's living, <laughs> you know? If there's no other reason to eat the word of God, that's it right there. I mean, it's literally alive. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, so what does all that mean? You know, uh, I wasn't here last week, but I watched uh, Sam's sermon, which was really awesome, by the way, if you, if you haven't seen it. And he said something to the effect of, you know, I know that a lot of my prayers are me prayers. They're basically prayers of the flesh. And lest any of us think that we're more holy than Sam, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all, apart from the Spirit, we fall into that category. So this, this is saying the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's what's able through the Holy Spirit using the Word of God that's able to divide between my soul and my spirit. The spirit comes in and crucifies my flesh. And guess what? Raises me up and now I am praying God prayers. That's when, when the word of God says, pray at all times in the spirit. And I'm not trying to be controversial, but some would say that means to pray at all times in tongues. But that's a little awkward. <laughs> what he's saying is, all the time, I want you to be worshiping me. I want you to be receiving of me and, and be in the spirit. I want you to be praying at all times in the spirit. So that's what the word of God with the spirit of God does. It's living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it literally pierces and divides between my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. It's kind of what Bill wants and feels very justified at times to have. And what God wants of both joints and marrow. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of my heart. That's what Sam was talking about last week. Without the word of God, which brings us to the presence of God and fills us with the spirit of God, we're going to be in the flesh. Galatians 5, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. It's the only way. Okay. <clears throat> 1 Peter, just keep going right. 1 Peter chapter 2, 
verses 1 to 3. 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all slander, basically, he's saying, turn. You know, Andrew's been talking a lot, months, turn. Quit listening to those lies. Turn to the Lord and receive. Turn aside from malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. That isn't the complete list. You can add to that list, believe me. Turn from that. And what's it say? Like newborn babies... Long for the pure milk of the word. Why? You ever seen a baby? Most of you have. We have more kids <laughs> born in this church, but praise God. But, um, but it's instinctual. I mean, that baby comes out and it just instinctively goes for that milk. Why? There's life there. Like newborn babies, you have the choice. That baby was given instinct so that it could have life. You want life? You get to choose to long, but I don't feel like it. I would be a hypocrite. No. You may not feel like working out, or you may not feel like going to work. But hypocrite or no hypocrite, I would encourage you to go to work. Long for the pure milk of this. Why? So that you can grow in respect to salvation. That word means to become whole. God's word takes us into the presence of God. So we can get filled with God through his Holy Spirit. And we can become a whole human being. What, am, what, what do I mean by that? And what is this? It means be who you were created to be, the real you. This isn't some weird you. This is the real you. You functioning as God, your creator, created you to function. You filled with God is the real you. And you know, he tacks on, he tacks on verse three, because most of us, if we're born again, we have tasted of the goodness and the kindness and the love of God. So he says, Bill, even if it's early and you don't feel it, remember how good I am? You remember how good I taste? 
If you have tasted and you can remember that taste, Bill, just go in and get in the river. Get into those verses. And I will come, I promise. And you will taste again and again and again. And you know what's going to happen? Pretty soon, instead of just dangling your toes in the river, you're going to get deep enough in that you live there. His presence will become what John 15 calls your home, your place of abode. Not being there will be foreign. I hate to say it, but being in the spirit is foreign, and don't take this wrongly, to most Christians. What should be foreign is to not be filled with the spirit and with joy and with peace and with patience and the agape love of God. So we're wrapping it up here. Just one more book over. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter one, two to four, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Where do grace and peace come from? Obviously from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Peace is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So grace and peace be multiplied to you how? In the knowledge of God. There's that gnosko word again. You become one with him. You know him right now. You turn Turn aside, you choose to get into the word of God, to soften your heart, to turn to him. The spirit comes and grace and peace are multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and in Jesus our Lord. Seeing that, the whoosh, his divine power has granted to you what? Everything. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through, there's the gnosko again, through the true knowledge of him. So we got everything who called you by his own glory and excellence. So verse four, for by these, his glory and excellence, he granted to us what? His precious and magnificent promises. Why? So that by them, you can become what? Partakers of his divine nature. If that's not the filling of the Holy Spirit, you've never seen it. Through this, We become partakers of the divine nature and we do what? We escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. Again, every minute, 
of every day, you and I are spiritual beings with a body. We will be controlled by some spirit. Oh, no, I'm neutral. Oh, no, there is no neutral. I'm, I'm serious. There is no neutral. You are going to be controlled by a spirit of lust, by a spirit of fear. Oh, I don't, what, what, how do, well, just watch the news for about 45 minutes and see what comes over you. That's a spirit of fear. We are going to be controlled by some spirit. We get to choose. We are either going to chew on and get into this word and let it do what only it can do, fill us with the divine nature, or we are going to be controlled by some other spirit that works in tandem with my flesh. That's how it works. Those spirits work with my flesh to cause me to be someone that you don't want to be with because we're all like that apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the book of Mark, and we are basically done. So in the book of Mark, there is a story about seed, which is the word of God, and the soil, which is the heart. And in Mark 4, it says, then the seed was sown among the thorns. This, this word was sown among the thorns and what? And the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things did what? Entered in and choked this. And what happened? No fruitfulness. It says, and there was no crop. There was no fruitfulness. This is living. It's the seed. There is no other substitute seed. Yes, I listen to sermons. I listen every day to worship music, to anointed worship music. I read anointed books sometimes. There is no substitute though for the seed. And don't take this wrong, but if there's hardly any seed, imagine the farmer He plows these trenches and then he just sprinkles a couple seeds in the whole garden. How much of a crop do you think there's going to be? There's hardly anything to choke. And I'm not being critical, but that's the 15 minute quiet time with one verse. It's better than no quiet time. 
but there's so little seed in the ground, there's basically nothing to choke. So what's the result? Not much fruit. That's why it says, and it became unfruitful. There wasn't much of a crop. So I'll end with this. Do you want to be everything God created you to be? If you've never given your life to Christ, it means that you need the Holy Spirit. But if you have given your life to Christ, it means that you need to get into this book and long for it like a baby going after the milk. The result will be this word will bring you every day into the river, into the presence of God. You will be filled with God and you will be whole and you will, I guarantee you, by the authority of the word of God, you will have a fruitful, blessed life.